Today on CityCast Pittsburgh. Dating in Pittsburgh is hard enough, and getting on the apps is like a whole other thing. What pictures do you post? What should you say? Are like mask selfies okay? There's a lot to figure out, but not to worry. Pittsburgh City Paper arts and culture writer Danny Janae is here to help you get all the dates. It's Monday, February 14th for my Valentine's Day lovers. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. Okay, Danny Janae, so which dating apps are you on or have you tried, um, and what do you like about them? Um, Let's see. I am currently only on Tinder, um, but I've tried a lot. In addition to writing for a Pittsburgh City paper, I write for a queer media outlet called Autostraddle. And part of that job was at a point in time working with two other writers. And we did like a a post called Dating Download where we tried like a ton of dating apps. Um, So I've tried Hinge, I've tried OkCupid, um, what's the other one, Bumble. There are specific ones for like queer LGBTQ people. So I've tried some of those like her. So I've tried a lot of them. What challenges do you feel like you faced or that you know friends or other people have faced when it comes to dating here? I think one of the biggest things that I hear all the time is that Pittsburgh is really small. And so Mm. you run into like your friend's ex, your ex, your ex's ex. The pool is just like so incredibly stifled. And you sort of run into people that maybe you shouldn't date or you don't want to date a lot. Um, because of like interpersonal relationship things like that and also everybody's in everybody's business so there's just like (laughs) once you start dating somebody they could be like you could make an enemy because their ex isn't over it yet and then you have like a problem with somebody that doesn't even know you Um, so there are like issues like that that I think arise from Pittsburgh being like very small and everybody knowing everybody I know that's right (laughs) (laughs) so you wrote something for City Paper how to have a hot Tinder profile with seven suggestions for finding a date or a hookup. And I bet these apply for any profile. So if you're single and looking, y'all better take some notes, okay? (laughs) So let's jump in. Your first tip is showcase who you are without being standoffish. What does that mean? Like, is there an issue with being too confident, too cocky, too political? Like what's, what's the turn off with showcasing? It's not really an issue of being too confident or too cocky, but I think there are people that want to get across that maybe they are a little bit like picky or abrasive or something like that. Like one of the things that I heard from friends and other people that I talked to um, about dating apps is that people will say things like, I'm a mean person or I'm sarcastic or I don't like this and I don't like that. And I think that like starting with what you don't want or what you don't like or like presenting yourself as like this abrasive negative person just does you a disservice off the top and maybe you are attracting the people that you want maybe that's working for them but it's just like for me is a huge turnoff to see that somebody that's that's like starting their profile off with like these are all the things that I don't want instead of saying like these are the things that I'm interested in these are the things that I like in a person it's funny I I just very vividly remember when I was on the apps uh, seeing people say things like you know I'm a bit of an asshole so if you can't take a joke just get Mm -hmm. out of here it's just like you're not funny and you're actually just an asshole (laughs) you know so also then there's 
Use pictures with natural lighting. Why do you think that's important? Like what, what, and what qualifies as natural lighting? So my ring light is not natural. Like I need to be outside. Do people need to see that I go outside? I just think that like overhead light that is, or like ring lights that are, ring lights can definitely be like, they're designed to make you look a certain way and to like highlight features that are like attractive to other people. Yeah. So I think that that can be like, really cool but I just think it looks like so fresh and natural to like be out in the sun or like be close to a window where the sun is shining in Um, I think it just like highlights your tone and your features the best Um, so I that's my personal opinion I know that other people may disagree with that Um, but yeah I just love looking at people in the sun and then there's have at least one photo that you've that someone else has taken of you so what's wrong with selfies I don't think there's anything wrong with selfies. I love selfies. I take a ton of them. Yeah. But I think that for dating apps, and I've heard this from other, I guess, dating professionals, is that you want to look like maybe you hang out with somebody that is not you, which I said in the article. Like, those are like, there are ways to show that you're not hanging out with just yourself, but they're also a way to show you out in the world doing things that you're interested in. So if you are into art, it's really good to like, say that in your profile, but also maybe have a picture of you checking out art, or maybe you're at Phipps looking at the flowers, or an action shot of you snowboarding or doing something that you really like to do. So I think that having those pictures is really helpful in like getting across who you are. And I have heard from friends that they hire professionals to like take a shot of them. And maybe you don't have the money for that. You can use like a barter sort of system where you trade a photograph for like maybe you edit their resume or something like that. Money isn't the only way to exchange goods. I'm now realizing all the things that were wrong with my profile and <laughs> I, I I mean I don't, you know, my friends weren't gonna take pictures of me on my couch watching Ozark because that's about as active <laughs> as I get. Um So then you also have place prompts in your bio. So this is a really good one because it's to be like as inviting as possible, right? Yeah, totally. To be inviting as possible. And also I've heard from other people, I've seen on other people's profiles, this like idea that like, if you just message me, hey, how are you? I'm not going to answer you. And people can be like really strict about that of like, they want something that's going to catch their eye immediately when they're on a dating app. They don't want to just like the basic standard message that you're sending to everybody. They want you to like find something about them that you find interesting and highlight that. So one of the things that I did was like, I have a pet tarantula. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I put that in my profile and I just said, you know, ask about my pet Um, and people will ask about it and then we'll have a conversation. Maybe they're working off of like an arachnophobia type of fear and they want to know more or maybe they're actually just like really curious about it and then we have a conversation so placing those prompts in there is just like really inviting and really prompting conversation that can stall out really easily and very quickly in dating apps that can i i do find that that the the conversation doesn't really go anywhere that early on because it Mm -hmm. can be it's intimidating to meet someone you know totally off of just you know online and um and not really have much to talk about so lay off the filters avoid mass selfies and keep your pictures up to date um i have seen quite a few filtered profiles from men I guess that 
one let me know that they took these pictures in the era of like MySpace because the filters are filters <laughs> that are just not even not even available on the market anymore. <laughs> these are vintage filters. Uh-huh. Um, but the mass selfies are mass like now that we're in the pandemic, you know, are masks like triggering for people? Like, do you not you don't want to see that on on someone's selfie? I think it's just like I I've taken mass selfies. I think they can be like cute. Got a smize. Yeah, exactly. The smize. If you're on a dating app, you want to use that space to showcase your whole face and like your best features and like your smile, all that stuff that's like really inviting and warming to a person that's looking at you through your phone. Because when we're looking at a, you know, this like one dimensional image of somebody, it's not like how their face looks in person, but you want to try and at least give somebody like a, a decent idea of like what you look like and mask and like filters can hide that and I know that there are lots of like really cute filters out there I've seen a lot of them but a lot of them I have found that like as a black person they're like they make your nose smaller they lighten your skin tone Mm -hmm. all these like really questionable choices for filters to do to your to your face and your facial structure and your skin um so I find just like avoiding them altogether and just like using that natural light to highlight your best features is like a really cool way to just like get across who you are physically on an app and then say what you want so do people are people like wary of being honest do you find that i've heard that from men the most and i've heard it from men and women but like men that are on apps that they're on there strictly for a sexual relationship but they try and purport that they're like looking for a girlfriend or looking for like a wife so that they attract women and then women will like engage in a relationship with them, but the men only want sex. And then there's like this disconnect between like what everybody wants. And it's like unnecessary. If you just say up front what you want and what you're looking for, then you'll avoid a lot of heartache for somebody down the line. Honesty is always the best policy when it comes to dating. I have certainly seen some married people that I know on the apps that I'm yeah. certain their partner was not aware of. And since it's Valentine's Day, we'll do our listeners a solid and ask, what's your favorite first date spot and why? Hmm. My favorite first date spot used to be, I would do this date where I would take the person down to Lawrenceville um, and we would go to Butterwood. They had these like really gorgeous cakes. And then we would go across the street to what used to be a lingerie shop. And we had check out the lingerie. And so um, that was like a cute first date. That's a that's a sexy first date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I used to do that one a lot. I know that like a lot of people love the very classic um, go to Noodlehead for dinner and then Millie's for dessert. Um, that's a cute one. Um, Fifth is always just like really fun to like go around and look at the flowers. And also just like if you're really hesitant about pandemic stuff, I recommend either doing like a masked walk in either like Highland Park or um, Frick Park or a fun thing that I find to do on a first date is always really cool is to cook together and you have this cool thing that you did together while getting to know each other that doesn't take a lot of money or time. Well, thank you so much, Danny Janae, for joining us today for our, our Valentine's Day dating app roundup. Yeah, thank you for having me. And before you go, a quick tribute to all you lovers out there. 
Senior producer Megan Harris here with newsletter editor Francesca DeBecco. Hey, Megan. So you probably heard that the Roberto Clemente Bridge, aka the Sixth Street Bridge, is closing down for a $34.4 million rehab project today. The county is removing like 11,000 love locks that couples, friends, and families have clipped to the railings over the years. But there's good news. The locks are being donated. Tim Collin is with the Industrial Arts Workshop in Hazelwood. They do some super cool welding projects with kids in the community, uh, but they haven't finalized how they want to use them yet. They want to hear what the kids want to do with them. And also, I guess they have to count up how many of those 11,000 locks they end up with since the city invited folks to you know, go retrieve their locks in advance of the big purge today. Yeah. And my radio says that Tim will actually be on WESA's The Confluence later this morning to talk about it. Yay, Tim. I can't wait to see what he and all his budding artists come up with. Yeah, me too. So as we say goodbye to these love locks, we wanted to honor a few of those love lock stories. One comes from our friend and fellow journalist, Rosalind, who put a lock on the bridge with her husband, Shane. I'm Rosalind Colgan. And I'm Shane Colgan. And we locked our love down in 2013. After our wedding ceremony on the north side, we brought our entire bridal party, 17 people, to the Clemente Bridge to affix our love lock. It was a basic silver master lock with a blue border that I'd bought at the waterfront target the day of our rehearsal dinner. We always knew we wanted to put up a love lock, but it was one of those things that nearly got lost in the wedding preparation shuffle. At the time, we lived downtown on Stanwyck Street, and we often walked across the Clemente Bridge. We also knew about the famous bridge in Paris from which Pittsburghers presumably borrowed the idea. And I had no idea we'd eventually cross that very bridge in France on our fifth anniversary, so we wanted to be part of the local variation on the trend. The only problem was, we wrote our initials on the lock in black sharpie, rather than engraving it, and the ink washed off really quickly. We never could identify our lock on the bridge again. We tried to use our wedding photographer's pictures to identify its location, but we never really could. We still have the key, though, because we couldn't bear the thought of throwing it into the river. Never. That would be littering. I'm glad the locks will end up being used as art. If we had gone back and reclaimed it, I'm not really sure what we would have done with the old lock that may not work anymore anyway, other than perhaps test the manufacturer's claim on durability. So I'm happy to hear that it and all the others won't simply be cut up and tossed in a scrap heap at some landfill, but rather repurposed by someone creative. And honestly, it doesn't bother me that we never could figure out which one was ours. Every love story, like every lock, is different. But when I walked across that bridge, there was something magical about knowing that any of those locks could be ours. We recently moved to New York City, and I love that we were able to leave a tangible part of our love story in Pittsburgh. Same. And now we know that if we ever put up a love lock somewhere again, next time we need to remember to engrave it first. We also heard from another CityCast listener, Melissa. She worked with her now-husband Chris in Buffalo, New York, and when Melissa left for a new job, the two reconnected over coffee and started to kindle the sparks that had been there all along. Melissa tells us the sweet story of when they decided to lay down roots in the Berg. In 2015, Chris got a job offer to move back to Pittsburgh, where he was born and raised. And I think I was more excited for this opportunity than he was. I had my bags packed ready to go. But the day we were scheduled to move, to make the big move from Buffalo to Pittsburgh, Chris's dad actually had to take us to a Pirates game. Because his family is huge Pirates fans. Um, We went on one of our first dates to a Pirates game. And we always try to make every effort to make it to all the Pirates home openers. Um, Despite living in Buffalo, we made the drive back and kind of made it a tradition for us. Uh, We always crossed the Clemente Bridge. And I always noticed that the locks were there. And I made a mention to Chris one day that I thought it was just a great romantical gesture of locking your love and throwing away the key. 
So one night before we were scheduled to take our engagement photos downtown, um, Chris actually surprised me with a <laughs> the baby in the background, uh, surprised me with a lock and key with our initials engraved onto it. So we went downtown, took our engagement photos, um, locked our lock, made a wish, and threw away the key over the Clemente Bridge. Um, the rest is kind of history. We're about to celebrate our five-year wedding anniversary next week. And in that time, we bought and sold our starter home, um, bought our forever home. We have a four-year-old and a six-month baby and uh, a seven-year-old Boston Terrier. Um, and that's the story on us. I love the baby so much. We also got a letter from Jennifer who asks, quote, am I the only person who hates these love locks? <laughs> she compared them to carving your initials into a tree and begs her fellow Pittsburghers, please, let's be done with this idiotic trend. Yeah, Megan, I think uh, Public Works might agree with that. <laughs> They're asking folks to stop putting locks on local bridges because they can damage railings and they're really time consuming to remove in bulk. And I think we know now more than ever that it's important to take care of our bridges. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and there's been some other cool reporting this week about the locks. Uh, Pittsburgh Magazine shared the story of nine-year-old brain tumor survivor Kelsey. We'll link to it in the show notes. On Kelsey's final day of chemo at Children's Hospital, she put up a silver padlock with blue writing that included hashtag no mo chemo and the date. Ugh, I got to tell you, Megan, this one really tugged at my heartstrings. Uh, Kelsey and I actually have something in common. I was diagnosed with a brain tumor actually the same year she was in 2013. And uh, I just love how she decided to celebrate the milestone in her fight with the with the love lock. So Kelsey, if you happen to be listening out there, congratulations from one survivor to another. Oh, my heart. Um, well, so Francesca, on that note, is there anything that you plan on doing tonight? Any special plans? Actually, my partner and I celebrated our anniversary over the weekend. We had dinner at one of our favorite spots, Apteca in Bloomfield. So for us, it's kind of lovey-dovey all week long. Very cute. Yeah, we're getting a meal kit from this awesome Pittsburgh chef, Nick Saxon. Um, you can find him most often at the Renaissance Hotel downtown, but he does a bunch of events. And uh, this year and last, we ordered a special meal kit for two from him. That sounds so tasty. Yeah, credit to my mother-in-law. She turned us on to him, and everything we've tried has been, well, A, easy to cook, which is wonderful, and B, so good. Oh, Megan, that sounds like a happy Valentine's Day indeed. <laughs> That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend. Show us some love on social media. We're on Twitter and Insta at CityCastPGH. And subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back Thursday morning with more news from around the city. See you then. Aw, love.